Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. may not be golden, but no, guys, <laughs> this has never happened before. My roots may not be blonde, <laughs> but my spirit is golden. My anxiety is evergreen, and my depression is anything but seasonal. <laughs> I la- <laughs> We laugh to keep from crying, don't we? <laughs> And sometimes there's a cackle. You guys, it's Andy's Girls episode 221. So many historic things about this conversation, including the fact that in 221 episodes, I don't know that I've ever fucked up my tagline before. And there's nothing like your first time. It happens. It happens. You know, we all are doing our best. We are, but I'm so excited about this conversation, which I would say is all happening in the words of one of our favorite pump rules are, guys, it's Andy's girls, and I'm so excited to be joined by none other than one of my favorite people, a Bravo-holic who is also now, I would call him a Bravo-leb. It's none other than the host of Everything Iconic, Danny Pellegrino. Danny, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. And also, by the way, you mentioned Sheena. Shay's tattoo and I don't think I've ever we've ever really broken this down before but it's so funny to me that we all attribute that quote to her tattoo now on her forearm instead of almost famous which is the proper way I think that's that's what we should be doing but it's funny to me that like screw Cameron Crowe like we're attributing it to (laughs) Sheena and I love that it's like makes me the happiest as well we should as well we should 
I also feel like there's some niche Bravo phrases that just bring me so much joy where it really kind of sparks joy. And I would say it's all happening is one of them. Satchels of gold is my number one favorite. I love it. It brings me so much happiness every time I think of it. It's also the name of when listeners send in their thoughts of feels. We call them Satchels of Gold in honor of Her Holiness, Kelly Kloran Ben Simone. Do you have a favorite tagline or not tagline, but like phrase, yeah, phrase. that's maybe iconic or not that you just die for? I think it always makes me laugh. Like a wow, Bethany wow makes me laugh. I love mm-hmm. a Dorinda ism. So, like anything, not well, bitch, I made it nice. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the thing that that makes me laugh probably the most is um, I'm on the brim of freaking out, which was a Britney from Vanderpump Rules thing. Like she just, she said it when she was like storming out of a a group hang and she said brim. And a lot of people, a lot of times I say it and it's attributed to her, but uh, people will write me and they'll be like, it's Brink. And I'm like, no, but Britney said brim. (laughs) I'm on the brim of freaking out. And it always just makes me laugh. And I don't care for Britney, but... (laughs) I mean, listen, you got to love a phrase wherever it comes from. We, right. we still treasure the moment, if not necessarily the person who made it and sometimes, uh, initially historic. Don't you feel like sometimes they just come in and out of your head and you don't even know where exactly they come from. And then later, like, I'll be laying in bed or in the shower or something. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I, that was from, I don't know, some like Lynn Curtin from the Orange County Housewives or something or like or something random. Oh, totally. And my favorite thing is when I'm sending an ask to whomever, a guest or whatever, if they are someone who does not necessarily originate in the inside the Bravo community, my favorite thing to do, regardless of who it is, like how many Ramona-esque phrases can I just illustrate? Can I sprinkle in my little Parmesan cheese of sending this ask? Because I think I personally think it's really funny. Right. Like, and a Bravo on, Ramona has given us so many gifts. A Bravo holic will appreciate it too. They'll get it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like it's the first sign of saying, like, you know, this is a welcome community. Right. We are we one. Do all support. We are one. <laughs> it is turtle time. We are supporting other women. It's just it kind of extends into, you know, making someone comfortable and right. feel and good. making it and nice. We are here to make it nice, and I'm all about it. So, Danny Pellegrino, the last time you were on Andy's Girls was during a trip that I took to L.A. Thrilled to go to see you next Tuesday. A wonderful moment. The old, um, it was the old world. It was, it was the old world when people right? could go places. And I mean, now that we're starting to re-enter a new world, but yeah, it was, it was a while ago. Yeah. It was um it was a minute ago. And um so I'm so thrilled to have you on today. And I was curious, you know, the last time you were on, it was like 2018-ish, I wanna say, because I was thinking about it before you recorded. And I am curious for your thoughts. How do you feel like your voice has changed since that time? Do you feel like there has been an adjustment? Well, specifically, um, my voice today is very uh, nasal because of my allergies. <laughs> Seasonal allergies are really doing a number on me today. Um, so that's number one. Um, and then my voice has, has a change. You know, I don't know. I always feel like I just try to go off of what they show me and mm-hmm. um, follow my gut and everything. But I'm sure people mm-hmm. who listen to my show might say, yeah, you were different then or, or something. I don't know. I don't know. In what terms do you mean? Just in the idea of your interests, the ways that you watch Bravo, the ways that you react to it, and how that impacts 
you know, what you discuss on Everything Iconic. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I think the shows have evolved over time. And I think Mm -hmm. when I started, I'm trying to think of like when I started, I don't know. The shows are just uh, a different, you know, they've, the shows have evolved. And I think over time watching these shows, you wish they would evolve in more, more rapidly oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And then um, I think that can be frustrating because as you're watching these shows, as you know, recapping, it's like, you can only say so much about Sonia. So even this season, I'm like thinking, okay, like I can only watch her be this level of drunk. I've mm-hmm. said all that I can about this level of drunk that mm-hmm. she is. So that's something that I noticed. It's like, it's been three or four seasons now that we've seen this version of her. And at a certain point, you think in your head, like, is this is this right of me to watch? Like, should I keep watching this? Is this a a, a Bravo issue? Is there something we can do? Because, yeah, it can be tough. It can be tough to see. And only it's out of love, too, because I love Sonia. But it's like, how much more can I say about it? Like, she's it's it's tough to watch. I don't know. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And I feel like the Sonia example specifically, I mean, so much of what I loved originally about watching Housewives was in many ways superficial like the bubble that these women lived in the idea of escapism you know because of how much money they presented as having and the further that we've gone along the bubble itself has evolved of like okay this person is in a bubble of their own blind ego of the idea of how they view friendship of the idea of how they have relationships with these people and it's constantly being tested when someone else is kind of like refusing to walk back something they've said or shares a reaction that's possibly echoed by the audience. And with Sonia, sometimes I get a little confused about what bubble she's currently inside and how we are potentially contributing to it Because it felt like on this most recent episode, exactly what we're saying, like we're on this carousel ride and we don't know how to get off. But also, why did it begin in the first place? Like, is Sonia in her head, is she thinking this is how I express vulnerability by being almost performative, by like drinking to the point where I become entirely undone? Like, what what is the thing behind this? Because as you've said, we've reacted to it so much. Well, and I don't even think it's that deep. I think mm. we know. I noticed when she said something about the LGBT this week, when she got so drunk yeah. and she said, "I millions to the LGBT," which is the same sort of monologue she gave in Atlantic City, and that was the moment where it sort of clicked for me of like, "Oh, she's just doing this because that's that became sort of a popular phrase or something, a a meme or whatever that people use online Mm. quite a bit. So it almost feels like she's performing it in that way. And that's, that's when I start to kind of fall off with the person is like, it feels like you're just doing what you think the audience wants instead of doing what you, what comes naturally to you. Cause that first time in Atlantic city, when she gave that big monologue about uh, Madonna and whatever, it, (laughs) it felt like that felt just, naturally Sonia in a way of like we were peering in on this woman when she's drunk and yes it was drinking too much and they had confronted her about and blah 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 but now cut to this current season where it just feels like she's doing almost like a greatest hits and it didn't feel to me like she was just accidentally getting drunk and vulnerable it felt like okay let me do this 
right now. Let me do this scene and, um, and, and perform my monologue again. I still love her. I mean, I think she's, I love her. And, and it's only out of love. I think with her specifically, it's like, she seems like such a, um, a, a lovely human at her heart. Like I do feel like Sonia's a good human at her heart, mm. but I don't like seeing this version of her. And it's, and it does start to feel like, are we contributing to this in a way? Yeah, and the reaction of Lou and Ramona just kind of watching this and being like, here we go, you know, we're here again. There are levels of it that just feel exhausting because now there are new cast members who potentially have not seen this as many times as a cast member, but they certainly have as a viewer. So now Ebony, who has talked about watching New York previously to joining, which I love, is seeing this person reflect this really kind of strange energy on her and she's a new cast member and I'm sure there's some concern or questioning or like how do I react to this now because I'm inside it and I've also just seen it so many times right and I don't think the old cast members like Ramona and Lou it's mm-hmm. been so many times that this has happened. Like, I don't even think mm-hmm. they really know what to do. Ramona took the wine away at a certain point, And I was like, great, that's what we should be doing. But they're also, they're, it's a weird mix because they're not just friends, but they're coworkers too. And right. on a certain level, Ramona or Luann is probably thinking like, I don't know. It's, it shouldn't be my job to like wrangle this woman every time we shoot and she's drinking. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I would feel at least. Like, you would want to help the first three, four, five times, and then you're like, okay, like, there's nothing I can do. So let's wrap this scene up. We've tried. They, I feel like the, that cast in particular has tried to sit Ramona down, or Sonia down so many times and say, mm. you need to stop drinking. Like, this is not okay. And I, I do even feel that Bravo producers had told her that because we've seen seasons where she said, I'm not drinking, or, or she, we've mm-hmm. seen that she's stepped back after she crosses that line. But then it's like, we're, we're right back in the carousel again. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And and part of there there's a weird part of it that's that's funny and fun and then it just crosses the line like that the episode we're talking about specifically when they were at the winery it's like that's fun tipsy Sonia and then it just like crosses a line and I I don't find it I don't find it that funny anymore. I just find it like okay, this is too dark. I also felt like there I totally agree and I also felt like there were some darkness even in the scene with Alita St. James with the woman who like came in with the sound you know just doing her own like little mini Sonia sound bath and the ways that Sonia was owning her narrative were to me different from the breakthroughs that I felt like were very organic in previous seasons i.e. her saying at a few points during that session um, something along the line of like, you know, I should have chosen to stay with my husband. I should have decided to ignore him stepping out, him having an affair. And I watched that and I was like, wait a second. I thought the whole deal was you had no control of this situation. He genuinely disconnected and left. So if you're telling me now, that there was a possibility that you could have stayed and ignored this thing that feels to me like a very different reality than one that you have previously expressed. So where, why are we not talking about that shift? Because to me, that is 
a very big adjustment than a woman struggling with the fact that she was in a position where she was not allowed to even make that choice. Right. Right. I don't know. I I don't know. I'm always curious about like, what are the conversations behind the scenes about the Sonia Mm -hmm. of it all? Because I feel like there must be a lot of them and amongst Mm -hmm. the cast, amongst the producers, like they all see what we're seeing. And so Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I think at a, at some point they're going to have to give her like a, a a little breather, like a little break and I would imagine we'll see how the rest of the season goes. Maybe by the end of the season by the end of next episode I could feel totally differently. But it seems to me like maybe we need to give her like a season off to regroup and 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 then go from there and see how she's doing. I want her to do well. I want her to succeed. I just it is tough. I mean, to, the marriage stuff is tough to see again and again and again mm-hmm. and again and again. And the greatest hits of it all, it's like, let's get some new stuff going in there. Yeah, I was talking about this with Evan Ross Katz on a recent episode, and my reaction was like, I don't necessarily want her to go because I'm nervous that she won't find a place to get paid. You know, like, I'm just like, I just want someone right, to I know. keep sending her a check. I like, know. I'm. I genuinely Can't, maybe have so we could much do compassion. a Patreon or GoFundMe or something for Sonia. Sonia would Rita. love it. Like Patreon.com, you know, slash sexy J. I mean, like <laughs> let's see, let's see what happens. I can't wait to see the rewards that we get for. She does the have a OnlyFans. She has an OnlyFans account, so that's good. Yeah, I don't know a ton about what she is putting on there, but I'm sure it's worth every penny. I can't say enough about it. Um, I do want to get your thoughts just shifting a little bit to a franchise that premiered this week. My God, Beverly Hills. So many new beginnings. We have Kathy Hilton, who we've seen before, but fully now stepping in officially as a friend of Crystal, a brand new housewife. What was the reaction? Um, what was your reaction to that? energy of this premiere and how did you feel while watching it I loved it but I'm someone who liked last season I didn't love the way that the Denise of it all was handled but I thought it was a good season however I know like by and large people seem to have not liked it last season but I I still I thought the premiere was great it felt really fresh I like the amount of women that they had seven women plus a friend to me is the ideal Mm -hmm. I think you need a larger group to have layered dynamics so it's not just I hate when I any of these seasons I hate when it's one or two people fighting or two groups fighting and it's like that's all there is like I need something layered so like you know people on the left and the right have different alliances with each other as well as fighting with the opposite side if that makes sense layered dynamics is what I'm trying to say Mm -hmm. and um, so I think this group is good Crystal seems appropriately messy and like a little bit Mm -hmm. there was a few little comments about like the way older women dress and then she kind of threw some shade at Kyle at one point when they were Mm -hmm. uh, outside of her house and that all fascinates me Kathy seems so incredibly quirky and weird in the way that Kim Richards is but without that sort of added element of of the abuse uh, substance abuse stuff and mm-hmm. I love that of it all. I mean, when Kathy was like talking about her dentistry as a kid, it was like so that's the kind of thing that like you I just like love in a housewife where it's so weird and it's such a unique character trait that mm-hmm. is so specific to one person only. And so I love that. And then um, Beverly Hills also, I think the way they're handing, handling the COVID of it all, mm-hmm. excuse me. 
all these COVID seasons, I think, have been rough to watch. But where Beverly Hills sort of has an added uh, benefit is that they live in these huge houses so they can do mm-hmm. backyard parties and stuff where it still feels sort of aspirational and fun. Whereas New York, you couldn't, it's hard to put everyone in, in one of their apartments in New York because they're small. It feels more claustrophobic. So I think Be- Beverly Hills does have that as well as the weather is really nice so they could do more outdoor stuff. Did you like it? I fucking loved it. I watched it and I was just like, yeah, this is exactly what I need right now. It feels a lot lighter than last year, which kind of just made me feel like, okay, this is a lot. There's a lot of stuff being thrown at us. I don't feel great watching it. And the reunion to me was extremely tough to see. And this premiere just felt like a breath of fresh air. I have wanted Kathy Hilton to join this fucking show for so long. And I feel like the timing is right. And I rewatched the premiere this morning and also rewatched part two of New Jersey. And I just thought to myself, like, okay, in both cases, we're watching families who have existed in previous seasons with a level of extreme toxicity where like the Kim and Kyle to me was too dark. It was not enjoyable. I don't have that kind of relationship with my like sibling, but I felt triggered for it just in the sense that I was like, Oh, this is not, (laughs) I don't want to watch this. I like, I liked it. I liked the two of them. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know the Kim stuff got by the end of Kim's run. It got a little bit tough. But to me, that was what was tough about the Kim stuff was more like her personally. But I loved Mm. the dynamic between her and Kyle because that was always I I have two older brothers, so I don't have uh, sisters. But I did understand. um, I don't know. Something about I love their relationship together. And, And I actually think we'd all combust if they had the three of them all on at once. Like I think Kyle, Kathy and Kim would just be too much for us to handle. So they're like kind of not giving it all to us. But I, I love the quirkiness of Kim, too. And I, Kathy feels way more Kim to me than Kyle. Like, they feel like – I see, like, those two as sisters, Kathy and Kim. And then Kyle feels more, like, grounded in reality to me. I don't see that similarity, but I'm obsessed with the fact that you do. And I feel like Kathy is such an extreme alpha that it's interesting to watch – Kyle adjust to that energy because I do think that Kyle is instinctively a beta and they're necessary like we need strong consistent betas on the show but she was sort of temporarily anointed like the queen of Beverly Hills and it's such an interesting adjustment to watch her interact with her sister because she will never be like the energetic number one in that trio so watching her handle that also knowing that she's sort of has more power i mean not sort of has more power within the context of this tv show because she's been on it for 1700 seasons but her sister also brings a lot yeah level uh, i like it kathy helps level the playing field with kyle Mm -hmm. i think in a lot of ways you're right yeah because kathy's older too i believe kathy's older right yeah Yeah. she's the number one she looks great too by the way she looks amazing she looks amazing like everything that all of them have had done especially in beverly hills in new york in particular i'm like you guys look 
so fucking good i'm almost upset about it like you have a perpetual glow you look the way that we usually talk about you know getting a little refresh where they genuinely look like refreshed and there's some sort of glow and it's extraordinary and what i'm excited about this season is like i'm sorry i have to interrupt you and also just say it's nice to not have kyle's bangs too like (laughs) (laughs) like that that's a nice refresh in and of itself it's like we don't have to look at kyle's bangs i didn't mind them but i'm a (laughs) i'm a bangs apologist so i understand that the the operate the result and how we have to live with them is very different from like the idea of getting one or or getting them or day one and she let you know she like needed them for halloween and hated them and i was like all right but we're kind of like she's that easy breezy kind of groovy 70s vibe but also extremely type a so i felt like they they clashed in a way that also felt spiritually appropriate for her because it's like trying to make this thing make sense but you have no control over what actually is happening but within the context of um, Kyle and Kathy's relationship, I felt some potential future parallels with what we're going through with New Jersey with Tree and Melissa, a.k.a. like Tree and Joe, where we have seen so much darkness from these families that it feels nice to get a little bit of talk about a refresh a little bit of a refresh where people understand the boundaries that they have in this playing field where it's like we may come right up against them but we are not going to allow our family to fall apart the way it once did Mm. which is connected to what they've said on the show but also is more so connected to the fact that there is a ton of dysfunction and chaos in both the Richard sister or yeah, Richard sister's lives and what the Gorgas slash Judy J, Judy J, Judices have kind of suffered through. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting with the Jersey stuff. I do feel Melissa in this reunion, at least part one, it felt like she was she was starting to snap a little bit. I think for so long, she's just, her and Teresa have pretended to be friendly and I don't think they like each other at all, but I think they pretended it well enough to like keep the peace of the family and uh, for the Mm -hmm. show and everything. But I, I don't know. I saw like a little twinkle or something in Melissa's eyes where I, I can, it felt like maybe it will start to unravel a little bit because I, Melissa can only do that for so long and I don't know, it felt like I, 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 I'm curious about next season with Melissa and Teresa, because I, I think that is going to fracture and fall apart sooner rather than later. It feels I don't think they could go a whole nother season pretending to like each other. I mean, it's not a great sign of progress that Andy's like, OK, so here are things that Joe said literally 45 minutes ago. And he was talking about how your brother's a piece of shit and your sister-in-law needs to go fuck yourself, fuck herself. What's your reaction to that? What do you say? And her reaction is like, OK, well, you know what? In a film scene for Christmas Eve 11 years ago, my brother said he needed to leave the scene early, even though he did technically attend. And that means we're equal. You know, like Teresa can't she can't meet them 
where they are telling her they're willing to meet. And that is a discrepancy that hasn't been resolved. Yeah. And for for years now, Melissa has gone along with all of that. And and I do think she had to for the sh- I don't think that I don't know that they would keep. I mean, truly, I don't even think they'd keep Melissa around if it weren't for Joe. Like Joe, yeah. it's that's he's the housewife. I mean, even in the reunion, I felt like Joe was more of a presence than um, Melissa. <sighs> And Melissa's a beautiful woman, and she seems lovely and all of that. But uh, I think Joe is the real star on that side of the family. And, yeah, I, that's what's interesting, too. And I, I wonder how long. I mean, at a certain point, I think Melissa needs to start to eclipse the really – what's also fascinating – sorry if I'm sort of rambling a little bit. But no, this is amazing. The um, Melissa-Joe of it all – I always thought that was a completely fake storyline, but I, I almost think it started as a fake storyline and now it, we're getting like crumbs of truth to it in the reunion with, with uh, Melissa and Joe's relationship. Almost like the storyline is affecting now how Melissa feels. And I saw in her eyes or something and felt like, oh, actually there is a little something of truth to that. And maybe it's because of the show, uh, but I'm curious to see how that affects the, the Joe, Teresa, Melissa triangle there. Because it's, I think next season is when this all falls apart. I could not agree with you more. And when people are talking about like the whole idea of their marriage, you know, this whole plot is fake. I don't. I mean, I look at Dolores, who's like, "It's real. Just believe me." And like, Dolores always lets us like know. That. She always. She's like, "That's real. That's who that person is." She always will tell. She's just the narrator of this fucking show. That's who Teresa is. <laughs> I mean, it's true though. I. And I watched their kind of dealing with the reality behind what I think was originally a fraud. And there is, there does appear to be genuine tension, just like I feel like there was genuine curiosity or not so much hurt, but like trying to understand why you know, Marge called him a misogynist where he's like, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to apologize for what I said about Dolores because I I do still believe it's true. But I will apologize if that upset you. You know, there's there's some real meat behind this. It's all going to unravel. And I think we have a very interesting next season with these group dynamics because the Melissa Jen is going to unravel. The Margaret Jen is going to unravel. It seems to me like Dolores and Margaret are very close now in real in real mm-hmm. life and so I feel like that dynamic will will flourish even more which will cause you know some awkwardness with the Jen Teresa alliance if you will and I think <laughs> what Jersey hopefully does and what it's rumored to do is they're bringing on a couple new people which I think is yes. exactly what the show needs because although this cast I think has been great I do think they need some fresh some fresh people on the show. So I, I hope they do. I would love it if they brought in like two new people and then kept the cast exactly the same otherwise, and then see how that all plays out. I mean, I've heard they're bringing on one more full timer. And my reaction to that was like phenomenal bless because allegedly they're keeping everybody as they are and just adding an addition, which I think is super smart I mean I watched this reunion a couple times and I have to say I felt like I was fucking glowing the entire time like it was so good I laughed my ass there were certain things that Tree was saying where I just was like 
just loud. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I really. And Margaret was giving us a lot of like soap opera yes. looks to camera. I don't know what that was about, but every time they cut to her, she was just like turning with like a very strong reaction shot. I felt like I was watching B. Arthur and the Golden Girls. Like every time they cut to Margaret, it was just like reaction shot extended. Um, and yeah, I thought it was much better than I was was planning for it to be because they said two parts and sometimes I don't know in my head I'm like oh two parts it's shitty and then it was really great and like see I need to readjust my thinking I mean the Jen Aiden of it all Jen who I feel like is such a great housewives villain because she's she enjoys it in such an interesting way it feels like she's doing she is like her daughter at a dance recital or something it feels like she's looking at all of the adults and she's like look i'm putting on a little play and it's so great Mm -hmm. and i'm center stage but she is able to deliver these lines i think in a really smart way she obviously came into that reunion looking to fuck with Melissa and Marge specifically and when they tried to counter the whole like you're you're throwing your mom under the bus which what she was just like no this is me my response is I'm going to show you how this can be done right yeah Jennifer knows how to do her job like I think yes the audience I think sometimes can hate her but that's we're supposed to hate people on these shows, and I think mm-hmm. Jen earns her paycheck, especially at the reunions. She seems to come alive, and and I don't know that she has a huge emotional connection to like anyone in the cast, whereas mm-hmm. I think sometimes people come in and they're like, well, we're all genuinely friends, and they kind of get swept up in that, whereas Jen, I think, is just like, yeah, this is my job. Even though her and Teresa and Dolores seem to have this little alliance, I don't think any of them are, are going home at night and and braiding each other's hair at a sleepover. I think they're friends for the show. And then um, they, Dolores and Teresa, I think are genuine friends, but um, yeah, Jennifer just really comes alive. And I think she earns her paycheck. I think she's like such a good housewife. Like she's what we need on these shows. She's such a good housewife. And also talking about house husbands, I felt like Joan was on part one way too much, but Bill Aiden. I love Bill. I know. I I love love Bill. Bill. Have a carrot for every year. Like, marry me, Bill. Like, be with me. Let's be one together. I don't, you know, a yellow diamond is not necessarily the diamond for me, but whatever (laughs) gift you give me is a present for humanity and for us all. I mean. He's really come alive, too. I mean, I, I think everyone has fallen in love with that man. What a transition from the first season where I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? And she's going to, where do they go? Oklahoma. And she's like, this is all, you know, Paramus is the new palace. And I don't know where the fuck I am now. You know, she was just giving off these vibes of a woman trying to do all the wrong things to make her role necessary. And now I'm like, Jen, what school did you study at? You got some sort of degree and I feel like she's genuinely killing it. The bill of it all really humanizes Jen. I think in a way, mm. if if he wasn't around, I, I think she'd she'd feel more straight villain. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think Bill, seeing her with Bill, seeing just Bill with the guys and being nice, like I think that that gives her a more dimension than we'd have otherwise uh, with with Jennifer. I mean, and the whole argument, which I thought was just 
not, I mean, talk about something that maybe wasn't well done. The whole thing of like, you're using your mom for the show. I don't see that at all. Not even a little. Well, and I, yeah, I, I agree too. It, I, I sort of understand the idea of this. Like I understood mm-hmm. what Melissa and Margaret were trying to say with that. But at the same time, it's like, at least it's something that feels real to the audience. Like, yes, it's not necessarily rooted in Jennifer. It's more rooted in her parents, and she's kind of shining that spotlight on it. But it's something that feels authentic, whereas Melissa saying that, it's like, really, Melissa? Like, all of a lot of her storylines in the past have felt so inauthentic with the sister and the fake baby and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, and then even also it feels a little hypocritical because I keep thinking of that scene this season where Melissa was forcing Antonio to talk about uh, sex and <laughs> boobs and all of that stuff where Antonio clearly did not want to talk about it. She, like, retreated to the dressing room. And it's like, isn't that sort of the same thing of, like, shining a spotlight on your daughter for for a scene instead of mm-hmm. Jennifer's just shining the spotlight on her parents, who, by the way, could also just not film. If they didn't want to, they could not film. Mm-hmm. And they could say no and maybe they will next season maybe the mom I, you know I think they made up now Jennifer had mm-hmm. posted on yep. social media but maybe next season the mom will be like no we're not going to film a scene because we don't want this to be about us we'll see yeah and it feels like because Melissa knows how many critiques have been leveled against her and against her time in the show where it's like okay well you're not really here you're only here to like fuck with Tree initially and then it's you're only the only thing that you have is to talk about a baby that you maybe want or like the search for a missing sister. These, the store even crazy things, crazy things (laughs) that feel so deeply constructed and inauthentic on a very specific franchise where inauthenticity is very easily seen and taken apart. And then I counter that with the Beverly Hills premiere where it may be a little bit of a cringe to watch Erica's story this season, yet there is an element of unpacking the inauthenticity that could be really fascinating to watch. The ways that she's trying to control the public idea of her now on social media, the ways she's trying to present what has happened to her as being the story of a victim's narrative, the ways that we see her spending money and now knowing a little bit about where that has possibly come from. And especially because with Erica, she's prided herself for so long on being this ice princess. And I mean, I Mm -hmm. think even in her tagline, we've referred to that. And that's not the method for her to take anymore. Now she has to, she, she's going to want to, I would imagine people are encouraging her to look more, uh, uh, mm-hmm. to humanize herself. And that's going to be a challenge for her because her whole brand has been ice princess and like, you know, don't, don't mess with me. I, I don't lose it often, but when I do like, uh, you know, I'll snap at you. And that's not going to work in terms of favoring public opinion for her. So she's going to try to alter that. And that's going to be a fascinating breakdown. One more thing I have to say about Melissa, though, is the the storyline with her and Joe. The the reason why that felt inauthentic to me throughout the season was because you guys are a married couple. And 
when we are talking about the dissolution of your relationship or, or the misogyny at play in your relationship, it's happening in specific scenes. The, the one in the car felt authentic where they got in that van together. But otherwise, it's like, I, I know you guys are spending at night together talking and going through these problems and the cameras aren't there. So it feels like so set up when we're seeing you two in your kitchen in this mm-hmm. scene that was specifically set up for you guys to talk about your relationship when I know in my head that last night you guys probably talked about what you're going to talk about in this scene because you knew it was going to be filmed. So it doesn't feel like it's coming out naturally. It feels like, oh, we set up the scene on a Tuesday for us to talk about how we're fighting. But you had to have talked about it before that setup, if that makes sense. Anyway. It, it totally does. And I also feel like with Melissa, she's always been great. I wouldn't call her a beta or an alpha. She's just been really good at being like the through line or the person responding where you're not necessarily the one causing drama and oftentimes at least lately you're not necessarily the one having to respond to that drama being thrown at you but you are sometimes a very good like reply all if that was a personality type and this season has shown us like the cracks in the foundation when we try to see Melissa navigate how to center herself in her own storyline, it doesn't really work. I don't know why they don't just make her a friend of, and I think everything would pretty much remain the same. Like, we would still have her confessionals. We'd still have all of Joe's relationship with Teresa. It's just we wouldn't have those personal storylines, which everyone, I think, collectively can can feel that they are feel inauthentic. So it, it just seems to me like maybe maybe there's a, a contract negotiation tactic at mm-hmm. play where they won't do that. But it's like just make her a friend of. She could still go to the group events. We could still have Joe around in confessionals talking about his relationship with his sister, which is the most uh, interesting part of that whole thing. I don't know. I don't get it. I think the problem is that the Joe and Tree is the most interesting part of that thing. Like I think that's the issue and what we saw in part one was like Joe got way too much camera time for a two part special like this there's something not right here with the fact that we are giving how many commercial breaks to talking about this stuff that maybe needs to be talking about but like this is a crisis if the person who has to be the one discussing it is the brother and not the person who is literally full time I mean why if the problem does not exist with Teresa and Melissa I know that these siblings like this dynamic this drama has been something that entire seasons have been focused on but there's all there's other stuff going on and it just doesn't feel even you know and their way to supplement it doesn't feel right yeah I wonder if they ever went, I'm sure they have talked to Melissa's sisters because I feel like that would Mm. even things out a little bit if they brought Mm -hmm. one of them on, even in like a friend capacity, because there must be some sort of drama with, with that side of the family. And I think that would, would feel more real for Melissa and then also level the playing field a bit, but maybe they don't want to, or maybe there's, I don't know. I mean, maybe she did a better job of telling them they weren't allowed than what Teresa tried to do originally with Melissa. Like, maybe there is some sort of relationship dynamic that's just better disguised. Still so many questions about that whole Kathy, Melissa joining the show thing. Like, I still need, like, some sort of three-hour documentary about, like, how did that go down exactly? I mean, 
the flashbacks, the raccoon eyes. I was like, did we not? I don't. Also, it's like weird. <laughs> why wouldn't you leave that party? Like if somebody called my wife or myself raccoon eyes and I heard them say that at a party, I would, of course, leave it. Like, why would you not? Like, Teresa was like, you guys didn't stay for Christmas Eve. It's like, well, they showed up and said hello and then they got insulted. So like, why would they stay? And they, it's not like they went to some, I don't know, some bar party. They went to the their other family's house. Like it, it was still family that they were, they were with. I'm also fascinated by, you know, like obviously Kathy and Rosie have been completely discarded from this family, mm. or mm-hmm. or it's been completely fractured. And I I just wonder, can that ever heal? Will that ever heal, or is it just like completely shot now? I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't bode well that Melissa and Joe are also no longer speaking to the Wakilis. It feels like there's been a total split and everybody has moved on. They Everyone. just there's no interest in circling back, which is like, holy shit, how much of this has to do with the fact that your parents were fighting versus how much of this has to do with the fact that someone needed to be sacrificed because of joining the show and as a punishment, this is what happened. Never talking again. Yeah. Never talking again that you weren't good enough to stay. So, I mean, goodbye to our family reunions as well. And I'm sure Bravo tried to get Rosie back for like a scene because Bravo loved Rosie. Mm. They didn't love Kathy so much, I don't think, but they loved Rosie. And I'm sure at some point they tried to get her in for some scene. And and I wonder what those conversations were like, like Melissa or Teresa being like, absolutely not. Like, we won't film with her. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's the Jersey is specifically all about family and families and sometimes weaponizing those relationships. And I think Rosie wasn't interested in participating in that dynamic without her sister. Like the allegiance at the end of the day was Rosie saying, okay, well, allegedly it was like Rosie saying, you know, if Kathy doesn't want to do this anymore, there's no way that I am as well. And that's a sacrifice one could say and something that's relatively rare I mean look at Melissa joining um and it's something you know I think it also has opened up this reunion cycle and also this season has opened up the ideas of exploring other family fractures because we all have them we all have secrets we don't want to reveal we all have tense dynamics with our parents or siblings or cousins or whomever And it's navigating those areas and navigating them in a way that still feels organic and not performative. That's really tough. And I feel like Jersey is the best example of how to do it right. Are you watching Cruel Summer? I'm I'm like changing the subject. I fucking (laughs) die. When you you said we all have secrets, I don't know. I was just because I just binged it. And so I mean, all the episodes up until now. And you said we all have secrets, and I, I'm my head is in that space of cruel summer. So I'm just like, what's going on? Is Mallory part of it? Like I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> which what I know has I nothing have... to do with Housewives, but everyone should watch it. It's cheesy and wonderful. What I have been doing is watching Handmaid's Tale when the episode comes out late at night East Coast time, which I always regret. I've never thought this is a good idea. I know to myself when I press play, you are going to regret this. This is not going to go down well. And then I go to sleep on a melatonin high and have some sort of terrible nightmare. And then I wake up and do Cruel Summer as my little palate cleanser of like, Mm. ooh, these are weird, fucked up, violent, sexy things. Right, right. (laughs) Cruel Summer is as dark as I can go in terms of like drama. Like I can't watch... I, I get I slip into like a very if I were to watch like uh, Handmaid's Tale before bed or or people no, have told me bad. about Mar of Easttown, which 
everyone says is mm-hmm. wonderful, but like I know myself and I just can't ingest that. Like, I, especially right now, I just can't do it. So I mean, especially not watching before bed because I would spiral at night. Like I would just, I wouldn't be able to sleep. But Cruel Summer is like, I can do that level. Even though, yeah, there are some, there is some stuff going on. It feels just like a, a teen, dark teen soap to me. I mean, it's soap opera right. It's It's like the thing where it's like darkness, but like covered in glitter. You know, it's like a and bad wigs. sequin. <laughs> bad <laughs> terrible, oh, that terrible wig. wigs. Oh my God. Listen, Danny Pellegrino, I die for you. I could talk oh, to you, you forever. Thank you for having me. This was so oh fun. I'm glad we got to finally do it. We've been trying to make it happen forever, and I'm sorry. It's just uh, we haven't been able to make no, it work. please. But. I'm so glad that we made it work today. Um, Listen, AGs are 100% listening to Everything Iconic, but let's pretend there's someone who doesn't currently listen to your podcast. Where can people follow you? Where can people listen to the pod? How can people support your work? Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. Everything Iconic is the name of my show. And then at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. And listen, you're welcome back on the People's People's Couch. Thank you. We need that rebooted, don't we? Like, I feel like we just, we need it. Like, I don't know why. With Like, why don't they just put us on a couch and let us watch Bravo? Like, come on. (laughs) <laughs> um, bro, if you're listening, that'd be real great. I'd be very down for that. I have a couch. I got it for $140 from Jennifer Convertibles. It may break at any time, but while it's here, let's use it. Right. And speaking of using, uh, if you want to, that doesn't have anything to, what I'm going to say has literally nothing to do with using it. This is a fun little, what we call a transitional moment. If you can't get enough of the joy of Andy's Girls, Join the Andy Scrolls Patreon where you can get exclusive bonus episodes and content and so much more and give me a couple shekels a month. Why would you not want to do that? I would love to use your money and buy some shoes. Patreon.com slash Andy Scrolls. Follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. I've just started posting random videos that I found from BravoCon because there's so much. I'm excited. I hope that I'm excited for the new BravoCon. I, I can't wait. You know, I had to, I opened a Finsta account to follow all my, (gasps) to follow all the Bravo stuff. Um, so now I, I have like, you can toggle so I can toggle and just see like one glorious feed of like exclusively like Bravo news and memes and stuff. It's, it's made it nice. Wow. I made it nice. We're going back to Dorinda. You made it nice. (laughs) Guys, follow me on Instagram because my goal one day is to also, um, have the capacity to start up and stuff because, um, too many people are watching my shit and I'm very into that dynamic. Danny Pellegrino, you're wonderful and amazing. Thank you so much for coming on Annie's Girls. And guys, guys, stay safe, stay sane, get vaccinated if you can, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.